0: Someone once said that really purging the clutter from your life could be as good as a remodel and so much easier. Now, as an architect, I don't know that I totally agree with that. However, I am a big believer in getting yourself down to just what you really need in your life. I also know from helping helped loads of families, including my own, through remodels that before you can take on a remodel, you first have to move all your stuff out of the way. Having less of it will only help. Hey there! Welcome back to mid Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 6. Last week, I talked about the method I used to plan and stay on top of my own home remodeling project. Today, I want to focus on something a little more tangible. Stuff. Or more specifically, getting rid of it. We all have more stuff than we need, and we all struggle to keep it out of our lives. Here's a little advice from your architect. I think decluttering is as good as a renovation sometimes. If you can just get your space cleared and refreshed, you may find that you like it better than before and don't need to consider the full remodel you used to think was essential. Purge enough warm clothes, and you might find that you like your house well enough you don't need a new walk-in closet. You could make a home office from the former junk room where you were keeping all of the Amazon boxes and Christmas decorations. Uh, By the way, I'm talking about myself right there. Now, decluttering isn't magic, of course. It won't fix a bad layout, tired surfaces, or a lack of natural light. But it can go a long way. And here's another thing to consider. Decluttering is step one, or maybe even step zero, to any remodel. Real talk. If your need for a renovation is being driven by your desire to have more room for your things, the first step is still going to be to move all your stuff out of the way so that someone can come in and make changes. One way or another, you're going to have to remove all your existing furnishings, object darts, and stored items from the house, or at least out of the space that's being remodeled before the demolition crew can get started. Even if you're doing the work yourself and simply moving piles and things from one area to another, having less in your life will make the process easier. Today, you'll find the show notes for this episode at wwwmidwad midwestcom slash 206. Living with less can be a real challenge, but it can also be incredibly rewarding and freeing. I've had two key periods in my life where I lived with very little in the way of material possessions on a day-to-day basis, and both were some of the happiest I can remember. In 2007, I spent five months living in a disaster relief volunteer camp behind a church in Biloxi, Mississippi. I and a handful of other grad students took the semester to help out with a rebuilding effort in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. We surveyed damaged homes, proposed civic and individual design solutions for reconstruction, and occasionally lent a hand just clearing out waterlogged and moldy debris from houses that still hadn't been addressed since the hurricane 15 months earlier. During that period, we each lived in what's known as a four-man camping tent. The individual tents were arranged under a bigger army tent for added rain and weather protection. It was January when we moved down there. I set up an air mattress inside my tent on milk crates, unpacked my backpack onto a set of broken shelves, snagged a cut-off log for a bedside table, and settled in for the duration. When I moved back into my studio apartment, it felt strangely over-large. I had all this stuff I didn't know what to do with. Eventually, I adjusted, I remembered what all the kitchen equipment, art supplies, and books were there for, and I moved on. But it was a great reminder of how little I really needed to feel complete. Later, I took another five-month period between one job and another to slowly travel around the Mediterranean. I stayed in hostels and rode trains, ferries, and buses from one city to another, starting in Barcelona and ending in Istanbul. Everything I needed fit into a backpack and weighed about 20 pounds. I had a ready supply of books to read on my phone, a lightweight travel laptop let me stay in touch with my family, and an old-fashioned sketchbook kept me grounded. I had a few changes of clothes and a spare pair of sturdy walking shoes. That was pretty much it. Again, I didn't totally divest myself of the rest of my stuff. My worldly goods were neatly stacked and waiting for me, in boxes against the wall of a storage unit in rural Wisconsin. I was very happy to come home to my inherited sofa, thrifted dining set, and all of my books. But what that kind of lightweight travel reminded me is that none of my things are what define who I am or make me truly happy. Now, there's an efficiency proverb known as Parkinson's Law, which states that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Basically, if you sit down and tell yourself you've got all day to do something, it'll probably take you all day to do it. But if you only allow yourself two hours, you might be able to do the same task in that amount of time. Similarly, we tend to fill up our available space with stuff. Now that I live in a three-bedroom ranch, I have more stuff than I need. I have the freedom and space to hang on to cardboard boxes that I might reuse someday, accumulate tools galore, and construction debris that might come in handy, and to let my clothes build up in generous closet space. I know it's happening, and I'm not always the best at stopping it. I'm sure you feel the same way. Plus, for those of us who love vintage and mid-century modern supplies, we have an additional source of stuff. All the sweet vintage store and yard sale finds that are always tempting us to bring them home, fixing them up later. So what can we do about this? Now the woman who said that a declutter is as good as a remodel is named Marla Silly, better known as Fly Lady. I'll come back to her in a minute. I don't actually always agree on her with this because as a designer, I almost always see ways that we can improve layouts, add light and functionality to a space with a remodel. Things that mean we can really benefit from making that additional change. However, I totally agree that sometimes a declutter is as good as an addition. We have been primed as Americans to think that bigger is better in nearly every regard. But often that's just not true. Sometimes just rearranging the space inside our house is what we need to make it work better. We don't need any more space if we don't have too much stuff. Another piece of excellent Marla Silly advice is purge before you organize. In other words, you can't organize clutter. You have to get rid of the things you don't need or love before you can create a good system for storing, accessing, and enjoying the things you really do want in your life. Now, it's all well and good for me to just cheerily tell you, declutter, get rid of things. That's easier said than done. So let's focus on a couple of specific examples. One of the reasons you likely want to remodel is to change your kitchen. Now you might be saying, Oh my god, I can't cook another meal in this kitchen where there is no room for my food or extra equipment. You can make space for yourself with a declutter. I guarantee there are some things in your kitchen right now that don't need to be there. So here are two pretty easy exercises. First, take everything off of your kitchen counter. Give it a good scrub. Before you put things back, make sure you use and knead those things out every day. If you don't, find another spot for them. Consider if you didn't look at all those things every day and if they weren't taking up half the space of your counter, the kitchen would feel bigger. Conversely, go deep, dig out the back of your cabinets. Does all that stuff really belong there? Do you even use it? There are probably some expired food things or a neat gadget you never actually use. Give some of it away. Or consider demoting those things that you use only seasonally, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, for example, out of your kitchen. Get a big Rubbermaid bin, put those things on a shelf in the basement. Boom, you just made your kitchen bigger. Now, that doesn't mean you made your kitchen perfect. It may still have layout issues, worn finishes, appliances that need replacing, and more. But when you think about planning a remodel, you might not actually need to make your kitchen bigger to make it better. Once you've done a thorough declutter, you can take a more realistic view of what really needs to be changed. Ditto a master suite. Maybe you're just dying for a master suite edition because you don't have nearly enough space for all your and your partner's clothes and things. Consider splitting your clothes by season. Here in Wisconsin, anyway, I pretty much guarantee I won't be needing my shorts and sandals for another few months at least. Whereas in the summer, I need a light sweater or two, but I won't be wearing heavy wool layers or the snow pants that I pull out for 20 degree mornings at the dog park. Again, investing in some sturdy storage bins and putting half your wardrobe, or even a third of it, a little further from your daily spaces, is a great way to instantly increase the storage capacity of your living areas. And I don't tell you this to say, you can't have a remodel. Hell, I'm an architect. I want to help you remodel your house. It's fun for me. But I want people to be able to focus on the areas of a remodel that will really make their life joyful rather than trying to solve a pain point of I don't have enough room for my stuff when they could be focusing on beautiful finishes, emphasizing mid-century details, or the most essential parts of their day in their home so let's talk about a couple of decluttering theories you may or may not have heard of and be a fan of marie kondo i love her philosophy but i think her promise that you can sort your whole life purge the unnecessary and then never deal with clutter again is either a ridiculous oversell or maybe just a mismatch of clutter cultures I went through and did a condo-style purge of my home back in 2015 or so, and guess what? I have clutter in my life again. But I also have less of my old college paperwork, childhood paraphernalia, and books I'll never read again. So thanks, Marie. There's an alternate system I actually prefer for thinking about decluttering in my own life. It's known as the Fly Lady System, and it's designed by Marla Silly, who I mentioned earlier. You can find it online at flylady.net, and when you go there, you will see that it's an incredibly old-school website, but the principles of it are so universal that I find them to be really practical for myself today. She talks about breaking down your house into zones and approaching each zone on a monthly basis. She recommends you spend just 15 minutes a day working in each of those areas, one at a time. It's her methodology for keeping your house clutter-free and shiny clean. It really works. But what I wanted to talk about today are her philosophies of actually decluttering. As she says, "Before you must purge before you organize. So she starts by helping people get rid of extra stuff. My favorite of her decluttering tasks is the 27 fling. It's simple. Set a timer grab a bag and find 27 things to literally throw away. Do it in 15 minutes. If you feel motivated and enthusiastic, grab another bag and find 27 things to give away as well. I guarantee you can make this happen and I challenge you to try it. In fact, if you're anything like me, if you haven't done this in a while, you can go into your bathroom and find 27 things to get rid of out of the drawers and cabinets right now. If you're more of a Marie Kondo fan, you can do the same exercise. Simply pick up every tube of nearly empty sunscreen and ask yourself, does it spark joy? Whatever your method, clearing some of that extra clutter out of your life will leave you feeling clearer, fresher, and ready to enjoy your house right now and plan for the future. Speaking of planning for that future, if you are planning a remodel soon for your mid-century home, or even if you're in the middle of one and feeling a little lost, I know that you're probably struggling to clarify, focus, and explain how you want to perfect your mid-century home. It can feel like no one, not your family, not the salespeople at supply stores, and certainly not the contractors you've talked to, really get what you want to do. You just want to work with the style of your mid-century home and help it match your life. I'd like to help. That's why I've created a simple step-by-step online course to walk you through the process of clarifying what you really want from your home, cataloging what that house already has and what it needs, applying the principles of a great MCM home update, and then prioritizing what you are going to do in a manageable way. It will be launching in March. If that sounds like something you'd like to know about, go check out midmod-midwest.com waitlist to be the first to learn more. Thanks so much for joining me today. I want to remind you that your reviews, ratings, and comments drive the subjects I cover and help other mid-century enthusiasts find the show. If you're working on a mid-century remodel of your own and you want to share your project and ask questions, join the new Facebook community, MidMod Remodel. For the next several weeks, I'll be answering common MCM home update questions in a live Q&A at 2 p.m. on Saturdays. As always, you can find more information and links to everything I've mentioned in the show notes for this episode on my website at midmod-midwest.com. /206 That's all for now, non-remodelers. Catch you next week.